If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out GuardianVets.com now. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. We're going to hit our sponsors here in just a second, then jump into the episode. But before we do, make sure you stick around throughout the end of the interview and check out the show notes for great opportunities for associateships, partnerships, and more. If you're a practice owner, you want to find great people, and you want to list a job opportunity or just looking for certain things that your peers out there that are veterinarians could benefit from, feel free to shoot me an email. Isaiah at veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. I will do my best to get those up at the end of different episodes. There's no charge for that. My role, my job is to connect good people with good people. So with that, we will hit our sponsors and be right into the interview. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Why do most banks always seem to be impersonal, slow to answer questions, or give you the runaround on getting money needed for your dreams? Enter Panacea Financial. Panacea Financial, a nationwide digital bank built for doctors by doctors. Whether you're a veterinarian in training, practice owner, or aspire to be one someday, Panacea Financial is designed specifically for you. It was started by two doctors who were frustrated in working with banks and so started their own to serve their community. With common sense lending guidelines and fast decisioning, they have helped doctors all across the country start, grow, and acquire their dream practice. Looking to buy into a practice? Panacea helps doctors with practice buy-in loans that are funded in a matter of days, not weeks or months. If you're ready to join the thousands of doctors nationwide who have declared independence from traditional banks, visit panaceafinancial.com today to see how they can get you started with your dreams. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise, member FDIC. Have you ever walked into a space and thought, wow, this is beautiful? There's a reason for that. Architecture has this innate ability to impact emotions and perceptions. My friends at Apex Design Build bring beautiful and functional spaces for veterinarians nationwide. Apex is a fourth generation family run company that is fully integrated from the design, architecture, and construction process. They help you mitigate risks, eliminate surprises, save money, save time, and reduce the effort on your project. Check out their amazing work and have access to their square footage calculator to help you plan your expansion or new build. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer and learn more about Apex Design Build. Finding a job or finding a veterinarian shouldn't be a waste of time. Enter an offer first. Paul Diaz and team have created something really special with offer first. Some of my favorite reasons are as follows. Candidates and employers will both have values aligned on the first step, not the last. The sign-up process, quick and simple, no resume required. So if you're looking for a job, but you aren't really sure, it's as easy as scrolling on Zillow for a home. And finally, if you have a great match, it's based on your each unique requirements, not random keywords. 
you want to learn more, listen to episode 179 with Paul Diaz. We cover all of that. The other exclusive great thing that you're going to get from this ad read and from Paul is I convinced him to give an exclusive discount to listeners of this podcast. So for owners, you're getting a 20% discount on both the placement of any candidate, but also access to the platform. Use VSP if you go to offer first or the easiest way is a link in the show notes. So check it out. Associates, those looking for a job, same thing. Use the link in the show notes. Use VSP if you go directly to offer first. But I will donate and Paul will donate to a veterinary nonprofit of your choosing. So each person that signs up gets a vote. Your votes actually count, which is incredible. And so I'll be reaching out. I will handle that. But there's going to be a donation made for any associate or any job seeker that adds on the platform. We want to make sure that not only does the platform help to make sure that you find a better fit, better culture, better role, but it's also doing good in veterinary medicine. Okay, so link in the show notes is going to take you to offer first. It's going to automatically apply that, but also use code VSP if you go to offer first directly. And offer first is changing the game of veterinary recruiting. I want each and every one of you to benefit from it. So check them out today. All right. Today I'm joined by a repeat guest, which is always fun. Emily Dong, who is the founder and CEO of Snout. Emily joined the show way back in 2019. So early, early on in the days of this podcast in episode 19, she talked about a company that she was working on called Pawprint and she's moved on, sold that onto the next adventure, which is exciting and always great to have guests that are in the vet med space, but also super entrepreneurial. And Emily's back with a wellness plan offering and with her extensive veterinary medical knowledge and just insights in the industry, not from being a veterinarian, I think are super interesting. We'll dive into that. But Emily, thanks for coming back. Yeah, of course. Great to be here. And I have to clue everyone in. This has been an episode we've been trying to record for a while, and it's all been my fault why it hasn't happened. So <laughs> I'm glad Emily was willing to put up with me to come back. So we talk a ton on the show, or I do and guests do about practice ownership. And you mentioned, and it's kind of a, a spot to start of just, there's so many options for practice ownership today. And you shared so many different unique models. What are you seeing that maybe has caught your eye? And I know we're a little ways removed from VMX and WVC, but there's always interesting conversations that happen at those. Anything that you want to share or kind of kick us off with? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely seeing a ton of consolidation in the space. And there's been a lot of competition for the consolidators purchasing practices. And I've had a number of friends or investors who want to get into the vet space because it's been so hot lately. And of course, with the pandemic and everyone adopting pets, there's been this huge shortage of veterinarians and it's attracted a lot of attention. So I think there's a lot of different options for practice ownership. What we've seen be most successful is the consolidators that do partial ownership. It's so, so, so important to keep the doctors around. I mean, they really are the crux of the practice. And if you purchase a practice and the owner leaves, you've essentially just bought a piece of real estate, which also a great investment, but you probably would have overpaid in this market. So yeah, it's really anything you can do to keep the doctor around and make sure that they still feel a part of it. And having partial ownership is a great way to do that. Yep. So let's get into what you're working on now. So tell me a little bit about what is Snout, right? And then why should veterinarians care, right? That's always the second part. Talk about what you're doing and then why should people pay attention and care? So Snout is a new type of wellness plan. We pay for all of your routine care it's different from anything else on the market. And the way we got here is when I was building Pawprint, we were constantly approached by the insurance companies asking us to sell their product. And it was a great way to monetize seemingly. And I got licensed as a broker and we explored that path a little bit. I'm sure you know this, but 
pet insurance is still at 3% adoption, which is a huge jump. It used to be 2%, so 50% increase. But that being said, most people don't have it. And if you look at how much people are spending on vet bills, most of that doesn't qualify for insurance because they are not covering your routine care, which now can be anywhere from $800 to $2,000 a year. And then there's, of course, breed restrictions, age restrictions, copay, deductible, all of that. And so we really wanted to design something that would actually be used on an annual basis and pays all the vet bills that people love to get, right? You walk into a vet practice, you're used to the human medical experience of paying $20, $25 for a copay. And I haven't heard of anyone walking out of a vet practice for less than $250, I would say which is quite jarring. So yeah, we've designed this plan to cover all of your routine care and spread that over a monthly cost. And we often package in a lot of perks like unlimited exams and telemedicine and free nail trims as part of membership benefits. And so with Snout, is it something where you would market that to veterinarians to then offer to their clients? Or are you going to go out to the general marketplace and say, hey, this is a really great option and then find your veterinarian? Can you talk through that a little bit? Yeah. So we decided to start with the veterinarians. We think it's really important to be aligned with them, and it gives us a couple distinct advantages. We tailor all of our plans to the vet's pricing. So the package that you're selling is unique to your clinic, and we give the doctor some say over what they want to include in that. So for routine care, things are fairly standard at the puppy and adult level. But once you get into diagnostics and things like that, it depends on whether the practice has that machine or how thorough the doctor likes to screen for certain things on an annual basis. So we give them some say in that. And so right now it's offered in 10 clinics and we're expanding that very soon. That's awesome. And then from the initial build out, any success stories, any kind of case studies, anything that has been noteworthy in those conversations with those early folks? With the clinics? Yeah. Just what has been the feedback, I guess, from the, the veterinarians that have said, okay, Emily, I hear you. I like that. Let's work together. What's been the feedback? <laughs> yeah. Lately, we've been getting a lot of it's too good to be true and what's the catch. And we have a hard time explaining to them that there is no catch really. I think for so many years, the wellness plans on the market have asked the vets to change everything about the way they practice medicine. It's asking them to bill differently, to invoice differently, to delay revenue. And we're coming in and we pay the vets at the time of service. So you're not waiting 10 months to collect that $50 a month to make up for services you did 10 months ago. We come in essentially as the financer there so they don't have to deal with that. We hate to see it happen, but of course, there are always people who their credit card lapses or they stop paying. So for a lot of practices, when they become successful with wellness plans, it actually creates more work. And so with ours, we're handling everything to do with billing and the administration of the plan. And so what we tell practices, it's really just business as usual. You just think of it as a way to give clients options, which given where the economy is and the skyrocketing cost of vet care is super, super important. Our mission statement is we never want anyone to have to make a health decision based on the money in their bank account. And that starts with primary care, making sure that we can keep pets healthy. Yeah. Love that. So you talk about like a wellness and then you've had some other folks I've talked to more like membership models. Do you see those as being very different, similar likes, dislikes? How would you combat 
or converse, I guess, around those two different topics? Yeah, I love the membership model, but it's really up to the practice, right? If they want to make that a requirement or not. I think now, given the high demand for vet care and the shortage of it is a really unique time where practices get to make this decision. So if they feel like, oh, this is something I want to do, now is the time. They're fully empowered to make that choice. I think membership is really interesting because it creates a strong bond with your client base. They're very committed to your practice. And the difference between that and what we do is we're also including some of the core care, like your vaccines and your blood work, and just making sure that you know, you're at least doing the basics each year. And then just talking a little bit about pricing, I know that's part of the process when you work with a, a practice and with the ownership of that veterinary hospital of trying to understand, hey, this is where you're priced at. This is kind of what the marketplace is. You want to talk about some of those conversations? And I think there was an episode that might be the one that was the most downloaded on this podcast that talked about how all veterinarians undercharge. Would you agree with that statement? Would you push back against it? What have you seen? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so, so true. We do pricing analysis during our onboarding process for every clinic. So we'll look at the AHA guidelines and a number of other factors and also all of your neighboring practices to give you a benchmark of where you should be. And pretty consistently, it comes back that practices are undercharging 15 to 20%. And most practices are aware of this. I think there's a psychology of vets tend to be very caring people. They don't want people to be priced out of services. And so they hesitate to raise and they know they're a little bit underpriced. But when we ask them, how underpriced do you think you are? It's usually, oh, it's maybe 3 to 5%. But we find that it's so much more. And then they'll say like, oh, well, that's because of the corporate practices. And yes, the corporate practices tend to charge more because they come in and they raise all the prices. But that's even beyond what we are suggesting. Like we're just suggesting that you come up to average. And so after sharing all the data, usually the practices come around to that. And this is the part I think is the most challenging, which I think is what you all are trying to solve. It's like, okay, you have this skyrocketing cost of care, but then everyone's undercharging and they need to charge more. How do you square all that to make it make sense and to still go back to kind of what you talked about, the mission of providing the care? Because at the end of the day, someone has to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, really what it comes down to is it's basically how we see human health insurance, right? If every time you went in for blood work, and I saw the bill for my insurance one time for just routine blood work, I think it was $2,500. I would never do that. But we pay for insurance, right? We pay for it on a monthly basis. And I think in the same way, people have the money and the desire to spend on their pets, but it's very tough to just out of the blue, oh, I walked into a vet clinic to get some shots and now I'm facing a $500 bill. That becomes very prohibitive and that influences a lot of behavior where people will then go and say, okay, well, I don't need to do the blood work or I don't need to biopsy that mass. I'm just going to do the rabies vaccine and then we'll figure everything else out later. So you don't get to practice the best medicine. But yeah, when you give people those options, you find that a lot of people obviously love their pets, treat them like family. They're not going to turn down these services. It just has to make sense. Yep. And then one thing that you mentioned when we had chatted pre-recording too, is there's this so much demand. And then a lot of times, and I've heard it more and more like, oh, we just have these bad clients, right? And it's like, if you decide to implement something like a membership model 
or wellness plan and you do raise prices, right? You're going to retain better people typically. And that's been one of those rules that you hear across all kinds of different businesses, right? But has that been something that has made people feel uncomfortable? Have you chatted through that with veterinarians and helped them kind of understand and grasp that and then see it on the other side? Like, oh, you're right. This is actually kind of true. Yeah, it's very counterintuitive. I think especially the American way is the customer is always right. And so you want to do everything to make them happy. You want to deliver good service. But there are a lot of case studies out there. One I heard of recently is by Southwest, right? They're known for being so customer centric, but they actually fight back against bad clients all the time. So if you go on a Southwest flight and you treat a flight attendant poorly, No one's giving you a flight credit for complaining, which is, I think, the behavior we've trained in consumers today. There's actually a stronger inclination for them to fire you as a client. And I think for vets, the ones that have done that, the ones that have said implemented membership models, or I've seen people put into their contracts, if you turn down too many services, we won't book you for future appointments. The vets that draw that line or say, if you mistreat my staff, you're no longer welcome at our practice. They are much, much happier doing their jobs. They have a better client base. Their staff is happier because they're not getting mistreated and being yelled at by clients all the time. And so it's very tough to take that first step. But once you do it once or twice and you start seeing how that changes the environment for you, it sticks around. And I think it goes back to the idea of this scarcity mindset that if you do that, then no one's going to come. And all of a sudden your business is going to fold and you're going to have no revenue. And it doesn't typically work out that way where, yeah, life is so much better. You're a little bit happier. And it is hard because I think what you talked about earlier is on whole, right? Most veterinarians are like, I just really want to take care of the pets that come to me. And I don't want this pricing thing to be the thing that stops it. And I think that's kind of the niche that you all have carved out is to try to help people be able to say yes to that and not have it feel like it's the payment plan option at the end of things. It's like, hey, let's take care of it before and set expectations better that way so that we can actually get really good care done and hopefully prevent some of those big expenses. Because if people keep up on care, right, and go through the wellness package, that big expense hopefully is mitigated or avoided altogether. Totally. Yeah. You want early detection. You want routine care. You want to be monitoring things as they're happening. And yeah, another thing we tell practices is just because a couple of clients struggle to pay or people are complaining very loudly, you shouldn't undervalue yourself. Veterinarians are going through just as much schooling as human doctors. They do a lot of work. They're incredibly intelligent people. They provide a great service and they should get paid for it. If you can improve the health of an animal, you do it, right? Of course, that's what makes veterinarians special. You're mission driven. My friends at LifeLearn are the exact same way. For over 25 years, they've been partnering with you and your peers, providing affordable, customizable online software solutions. These solutions save time, increase efficiency, and assist in managing all aspects of operations. Why? They wanna help you improve your partnership with pet owners to improve pet health. LifeLearn has award-winning digital media solutions and are leading the pack as they've prioritized having extensive veterinary knowledge throughout their teams. That difference is seen, it's heard, and it's read by thousands of people across the country. Relax, grow, and thrive with LifeLearn. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer to see how LifeLearn can allow you to get back to what you do best. 
So as someone that you're working within veterinary medicine, you have a team yourself, you're dealing with people that are going to maybe push back on pricing. Cause I know veterinarians sometimes can be called cheap if we put it nicely, stingy, whatever, right? <laughs> How do you have those conversations and then has there been pushback on things or how does the model set up with how you all work together with a practice? Yeah, I mean, our model is different from what's out there, right? If you implement your own wellness plan in-house, you are essentially becoming a bank. You're collecting money over time. You now have a collections arm. You have accounts receivable. You have to change the way you do accounting. But there are some benefits to that. So if a client doesn't come in and use up all of their services, you're still collecting monthly. So that's a pitch we hear fairly often. And in our model, we are taking on everything. So we take on the risk of the client not paying, but we are also benefiting if the client doesn't use all of their services. So that's a gamble, right? That's some math and we don't know what it's going to be. It's just an educated guess and a game of probability. So there have been a couple of vets who say, well, no, I want to keep the breakage. And my personal view on that is, sure, that could be good from a business standpoint, but do you really want to make money from selling services that people don't use? I just think it creates a really strange incentive for them. And in our case, because we're getting the breakage, we encourage them to do as many reminders as possible, get people to come in, get them to use it. We're not relying on the breakage as part of our revenue. and that way the vets can still practice medicine and not have to think about that. Right. Yeah, I think it removes that conflict of interest of like, I really want you to be here, but not really. Cause I, maybe I want to make a little bit more. <laughs> totally. And we saw this play out in the human space as well. So in the HMO space, there were plans that would pay doctors for taking on a member, regardless of if people actually came in or not, they would just pay them, let's call it $5 a month. And what happened is those doctors started making it impossible for the clients to schedule. So even if you were on a plan, they'd be like, oh, well, it's going to take you two or three months to come in for a checkup. And so we just think it's a really unhealthy dynamic for the vets to be profiting off of the breakage. So that's why we built the model the way we did. I love that. And we talk a lot about like leadership and running a business. A veterinary practice is a business, right? As we've talked about, you have to have profitability. What have you learned as a leader? I mean, this is a company that you've founded. You've founded another company, you've exited, you've done different things. What have you learned as a leader that's made you better or things that you're like, man, I really wish I would have learned this previously? Because you can read so many books, you can watch so many videos or listen to so many podcasts, but there's a certain element of just doing it and then you learn from it. Anything that sticks out or any stories or any, any thoughts from that? Yeah, I mean, going to the parallel of vets trying to be so customer centric, I think when we first started, we also wanted to please everybody, right? We undercharged for our own services. Every feature request we took very seriously, we're like, we're going to do that. And when we first started, we customized the solution to be anything the vets wanted. If they were like, oh, I want to change the color of this, or I want to change the way this works, we were just like, yes, yes to everything. And I think the biggest lesson is figuring out who you are and what you stand for and why you do the things you do, right? And so that's why we've taken the stance on we don't want vets to have to take risk. And we also don't think that breakage should be part of their revenue stream, right? And there's certain things that we've drawn the line on. And if a vet says, I strongly disagree with you, that sucks. But at this point, we're not going to completely change our business model for everybody that walks in through the door. 
And in the same way, we encourage vets not to reduce their prices because one person complained about it, right? Or to let that customer talk back to their front desk staff. And yeah, I think that's the biggest lesson is just figuring out what you stand for and sticking to it. I love it. What maybe haven't I asked about that's been on your heart or mind when you think about just the world of veterinary medicine, it could be in regards to snout, it could be something completely different. I just think it's such an exciting time for the industry. It's growing a lot. And I think we're in this influx of change where people always say veterinary medicine is 10 to 15 years behind human medicine. And that sounds like a huge disadvantage, but I think the advantage actually is there's a lot less infrastructure, right? And so in the same way that we saw Africa and India completely skip certain technological advances and just go straight to using mobile pay for everything versus here in a lot of cases, we're still using checks or cash in certain cases. They've just completely bypassed that, right? When they were able to get phones. I think there's an opportunity here in the animal health space to do that same thing. We're starting to see people adopt technology. There's less red tape. There's not as much stuff to transition off of. It's not like the human health space where you have billions being spent on lobbying to keep technology out, right? So I think it's going to be very quick change once we get people on board with it. Yeah. I agree. And I think the idea of that change also is such a benefit to younger practice owners or practice owners in general that can make those changes quicker. Because if you're a large corporate practice, that's going to take a minute to change that across all these different locations and roll out that training. Where if I'm someone that maybe I own one or two or three, or it's smaller, or it's just me and I'm doing a startup, designing that with the end in mind of saying like, this is how I want to leverage the technology And I think it's important for us all as we're consumers, the experiences that we love, how can you bring that into veterinary medicine? What's the thing that you go through an experience? I don't know, you go somewhere and you're like, wow, that was really easy or that was super convenient or I love that or I really hated that. And I think that's maybe the easier way. Like, oh, this experience, everyone uses the BMV, right? And it's not as bad as it used to be, but people dread that. They're like, I would rather go and give a public speech than go to the BMV and like renew my license. How can you make it easier to say yes or just come in and see you? And I think that, is really, really unique. And again, fits with really what Snout is trying to work on too. So any thoughts on that? Because I'm going to lead and let you, because you didn't get to do this the first time, ask a question to me that we can kind of chat through. But any thoughts on building on the technology piece? Yeah, I think that point about independent practices is really interesting. And we talked about this a little bit in the beginning, that there's so much consolidation in the space. And there is, but it's still the minority in terms of number of practices. And so something that's really fun for us is working with the independent practices and they're able to get up and running within a few days time. And I think that's really cool. And they have so much opportunity to build whatever it is they want and yeah, I encourage the younger doctors coming into the space to think about that. It's more work, but no risk, no reward. Yeah. And there's always going to be stress. There's always going to be work involved no matter what you do. And it's just trying to figure out what is it ideally that you're suited for and what you want to do. And yeah, there's going to be trade-offs with anything. And sometimes life makes it really hard to make one decision versus the other. But if you're able to, it's no surprise anyone listen to this, that I've always been a big advocate for going and trying to do your own things. There's plenty of roles out there. If it doesn't work out, there are a lot of hospitals that are looking for awesome associates that I don't think you'll have a, an issue, oh, right? Finding a role. <laughs> <right now. laughs> so they'll be fine. Yeah. They'll be fine. 
what about, so episode 19, I wasn't asking guests for questions back to me. I swiped it from another podcast because I liked it. Any question you want to throw back my way, it can be serious. It can be funny. It can be about what we're talking about. It can be something completely different. Well, yeah. I mean, you're deep into the financials of a practice, right? So given all that you've seen personally and all the guests you've talked to, where do you think the biggest opportunities for a vet practice are? Well, I still think, and I know we talked about how busy people are. I still think marketing is one of those things that is drastically, drastically, drastically underutilized and under leveraged within veterinary medicine because the bar is so low, right? A little puppy picture in this day or this month, we're doing tick prevention, whatever, right? That's kind of pretty standard, but being authentically you and going out and telling people, hey, this is what we stand for. This is what we do. But then also offering something unique and different. Everyone knows that they can bring your pet and you can take care of them. At least that's my expectation as a consumer, right? I don't know how to judge a good veterinarian, right? I don't know how to go in and say, well, you know what? Dr. Emily's great. She knows how to do this thing really well. No one else knows how to do that as well in town. Like she's the best at it. I don't know that, right? I don't know your surgical skills or the way that you can diagnose things. We only know based on the communication that we have while we're in the practice or what they're putting out there through social media or their communication channels. And so to me, well, you know what's interesting about that is I think it's so much about bedside manner. Yes. Strangely, you could be a terrible doctor, but if you treat the client really well and when you hold the pet, it's not screaming, they feel like you're a great doctor. So the perception versus reality gap there is really interesting as well. And I think it's even true in financial services, right? Like you think about financial advisors, it's sometimes the the best financial advisor might be someone that literally can't hold a very good conversation. And you might feel like, I don't know if this person is even happy to be here, but they could be excellent at their job, but they can't communicate with that client and go through things. And the person that might be like, yeah, this person doesn't know crap, that Isaiah guy, I don't know if he knows anything, right? But he's personable and you can make a connection and you can help that person think through things in a different way. It's hard to know when it's not your profession, how do you judge someone else? that they're really good at what they do. Same thing like attorneys. I don't know if they drafted a good document, right? Unless you take it to another attorney, oh. <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, wow, who would draft it this way? We don't know. You don't know. Right. And so I just yeah. think from a marketing perspective and letting people know who you are, and it doesn't have to necessarily be that we want to grow. It could be attracting the right people going back to what you talked about. Hey, we do charge a premium and we're not cheap, but when you come here, this is the expectations and this is how we operate. And I think you're idea and what you've heard from other practices and clinics of setting expectations, let people know on social media, be like, Hey, if you come here, this is what you should expect. And whoever is on the leadership team of that hospital or clinic going out and having a video and just saying that and laying those expectations and doing that over time consistently, I think will help because someone might see that and be like that Isaiah guy seems like a jerk. I would never go there. Well, maybe they're going to be a problem child anyways, versus oh, I actually really like that. And they actually respect themselves. I bet they do really good work because they're not trying to beg me to come there. They're not trying to say, oh my gosh, if you have your dog, please come see me, right? They're actively trying to tell you, if you are these things, just don't come. And it reminds me of, there's a hedge fund where before you can actually put money into the fund, you have to get on the, a call with the CEO. And he basically tries to tell you why it's the worst decision in the world to give them money and talk you out of it. And it's wonderful. Yeah, The human brain is not wired that way. Well, we want this more. We actually want this more that you're trying to tell me we can't have it. And, but he just tries to be very clear with, here are the risks involved. Instead of being like, oh, we're so great. We're so smart. We're going to make you all this money. It's like, hey, we can be down. We can be down this much. We can do this over and over again. And you need to be able to take pain because we're different. We're different by design. And this is why. Are you okay with that? Yes. And he talks them through. Hey, if you want to be here for six months, don't even send me your money. 
not what we're here for, right? And just really does a great job at setting that. And I've been on that call twice with clients. It's not something we use a ton, but it's really interesting to have that conversation. And I'm like, huh, it's the way that psychology works, but he's just trying to be honest, open and transparent with what the expectations are if you're going to let them manage money. And they take it very seriously. And the cool thing with them as well is like all their personal money is in that fund. And so that is how they make their money, but that's where all their money is. So I don't know. Anyways, that's a great question. It just made me think of so many different other examples of things, but going back to it, it's bedside manner and it's marketing. And it's like, can you be a real human to others and make authentic connection? I think if you can do that as a veterinarian, the sky's the limit because the demand is there. Totally. So for those that are listening and like, Hey, this wellness plan thing seems smart, kind of like it. And you're telling me that I can get more people to say yes. And I probably should raise my prices. Okay, Emily, I'm intrigued. Where do you want to send them? How do they connect with you? And what would be your suggestions? Yeah, go to snoutplans.com and set up a time to talk to us. We're doing pricing analysis for anybody who's going to take a call. So whether you are fully committed to rolling out wellness plans, or it's just something you're thinking about, we are happy to answer any questions you have. We've seen all the different models that people have built in-house, and we've taken a lot of those learnings. And whether you work with us or not, we're just here to share knowledge, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. Love it. Thank you, Emily. Really appreciate it. All right. So there are a lot of great job postings that I want to get to. And so we're going to start off with Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. No weekends. Monday to Friday, eight to five, no on-call or emergencies. It's appointment only here. Currently a two and a half doctor practice, new owner in 2021, bringing some fresh life into the hospital. The new owner had been there for six years prior working, so definitely understands the team, the processes in the community. Lots of investment in people and new equipment. ProSal is the pay structure. Far too many benefits for me to list. Email BaysideVet251 at Yahoo or call 850-864-864. 1857. Join a thriving, growing small animal practice in Vermont on the Quebec border. Full time ideal, part time is considered. The idea is to start with yes with the team, patients, and clients in outdoor woman's paradise while uh, being able to practice high quality medicine. Compensation is write your own structure within production capabilities. Literally, it is the owner wants to t- find the right person and is happy to negotiate, chat through, and find the right fit. If you want autonomy and a boss that enjoys teaching, reach out to Newport Veterinary Hospital. You can email newportveterinaryhospital at gmail.com. North Central Indiana, looking for an oasis in the chaos? Who isn't, right? Come join the amazing team at Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. They strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. They utilize the support staff efficiently so that the doctor is available to practice medicine and do what you're trained to do in less time and paperwork, which is great. Lots of investment in new equipment and technology to support you, full-time or part-time available. Small animal and exotics are both seen there, so no ER, no on-call, no weekends, competitive salary with sign-on bonus offered, and far too many benefits to list. Go to Fulton County Veterinary Clinic, so type that in and you'll find the job posting there. Last but not least, join Watertown Animal Hospital, personable, small animal veterinarian wanted for well-established current five-doctor mixed animal practice in Northern New York, which is an outdoors person's paradise. Again, two of those. So if you like the outdoors, you can look at Vermont or New York. They have plenty of support staff with six CSRs, six licensed technicians, four animal caretakers, two technical assistants, hospital associate, or sorry, hospital assistant, a practice manager, and a bookkeeper. Focuses on mentorship and investment on the people and the technology. That's been a strategic initiative by the leadership team. 
no on-call, uh, 24-hour ER, less than an hour away, salary based on experience, but no less than 95000 can be straight salary, pro-sal considered, want to discuss that with the right person. Tons of benefits. Again, too much to list. Please reach out to watertownpetcare.com for that option as well. So again, if you find a role or a job or talk to anyone and it helps you in any way, I would love to hear that feedback. So please reach out. Let me know what you're able to do. And I will continue to post these. So if you are an owner, reach out to me, let me know. And we'll go from there. And until I hit a capacity of I can't keep recording these, I want to let people know who are high quality owners around the country looking for great help. So with that, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. If you want or need financial advice, my day job on Not Podcasting is helping veterinarians grow their net worth. Our team is taking new clients and we are ready to talk to you at any stage of life. Come as you are. I always say bring the mess, right? Like if things are unorganized, that's okay. There's no prerequisites to become a client. Isaiah Douglas is a partner at Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. The biggest compliment you can give me in the podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found and Apple Podcast is the platform that is predominantly used for people listening to the show. If you have three minutes, love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Also, the new YouTube channel is up and I'd love to have you subscribe. Vainly, I want 100 subscribers at least. Lots more, obviously, right? But I get a vanity URL if we get to 100. That would be great. It makes it easier to find the YouTube channel as well. For all of today's links information, head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. It'll be a link to that YouTube channel I just talked about. You won't miss any other episodes, whether you list on Spotify, whether you have some other ancillary podcast platform please like, subscribe, all that stuff. It certainly does help. I appreciate it. Finally, if you want more information, insights, want your voice to be heard, want to share ideas for content, say, hey, Isaiah, I want you to have this guest. I want you to talk about this topic. Go over to the Facebook group. So you can search for the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom about your host, click on the Facebook icon, and that'll get you in the group. But thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me to be able to see the podcast grow and continue to impact people. So with that, until next time, we'll chat soon.